Brisbane, Australia. This is episode 142 of The Normal Blokes, a podcast dedicated to improving the competitive 40k experience. My name's Denith, and today we're joined by Nathan. Hello. And with the monobrow to match the neck beard, Liam, how you doing? I'm feeling like I'm solar pulsing. Let's go. <laughs> oh, mate, you're getting me all excited before this episode. Jesus. So, uh, yeah. Welcome, everyone. We uh, put an episode out a couple of weeks ago before the Gladiator Gaming Teams event. Um, it just happened uh, just over a week ago, um, and uh, the three of us played on the same team. You heard us talking a bit about our lists last time and, and the round. So it was all in all uh, a pretty sick tournament. We had um, Liam and Nathan on pairings for us. We had the big captain, Brian. I stood there and ran flamers of people. It was a lot of fun. And today we'll be talking a bit about our armies, how they went and um, how we found it. But boys, how are we doing after a week of uh, limited 40k after teams? Pretty oh, good. Look, look I, I'm, I, was pr- I was pretty happy to uh, enjoy a Australia Day long weekend. That was, pre- that was pretty awesome. And uh, get away for a bit. Went up, uh, got some sun, probably too much sun for the old chrome dome. But otherwise, I'm good. Yeah, me and that. And, uh, you got Athey? Yeah, and I've been good. I've been try- actually trying the uh, new Old World game uh, with a few of the boys as well. So uh, switching out the uh, two-inch coherency for a bit of rank and file, which has been a good change of pace. Yeah, I know uh, a few of the boys are excited for the little square bases. I'm uh, I'm, I'm towing on the edge of uh, lizard men, mate. They... Uh... They talk all reptilian to me. I do like I do like the look of those skinks, but um, yeah, I think I'm I'm enjoying 40k a bit too much, and my brain can't handle two systems. So you might get me, but not just yet, not just yet. Keep tipping away. Yeah, Liam, I hear you and Nathy have got some sigma going on as well. I have been absolutely brainwashed. Yeah, so I brainwashed the wrong word. I've been conscripted is the right word to go play in the Sigma event on the ninth and tenth. In the draft, the one person draft, and the draft was. I got drafted into the um, the militia of forty k players going to um try and win a Sigma event. Um, I don't even have a faction yet, and I've never read the rules, so this will be really interesting. That's gonna be hilarious. Can I just come and watch? Yeah, because what's probably going to happen is I'm going to read the rules and then I'm either going to understand it or I'm just not. And one way or another, that's going to be my opponent's problem. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Liam. (laughs) That's going to be interesting. We can, um, I know a bunch of the guys are diving into Old World as it's popping up, but um, the Sigma Sigma crossover is is pretty heavy at the moment, which is cool. But uh, look, I'm going to cut that off right here at minute, minute three of the podcast. Gonna get back onto 40k, all right? Is that okay with you guys? Fire away! <laughs> Sick. So we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna um, you know run through our our list. We're gonna do something a bit different today. We're not gonna kind of go round by round. We're kind of gonna focus on one person at a time um, and just run through their games and how they found the list uh, worked. And on the last episode, me and Liam talked a bit about what we were running. But uh, Nathy, we'll get you to kick off on. Uh, and you had a bloody good weekend, didn't you? You went undefeated. I did. Um, I think everyone's seen me struggle enough with all these sort of, you know, Necrons and CSM and Orcs melee running around. And I, I think everyone realized that it was a bit too rough brain for me. And they, Liam said, you know, what a, why don't you try a nice little smooth brain faction like Chaos Knights? 
And you know what? It, it matched my intellect level perfectly. And I uh, ended up having a really fun weekend with it. Although I will say my melee, uh, my melee instinct was definitely buzzed by all the uh, carnivals I got to run. Hell yeah, bro. So um, tell us about your list because we didn't get the full decon from you. Um, tell us you know, about some of the tech and, and how it worked out in your games. Yeah, sure. So uh, I ended up being uh, able to borrow uh, Big Wayne, uh, 142 of 142, yes. uh, his CK for the event. Um, I ended up running one Stalker, uh, a knight that sucks but is required to run the one character. Uh, six Brigands, um, five Carnivores, so six Shooty, five Melee, um, all with Havoc launches, which, um, you know, uh, Indirect is pretty great as well. Um, and then I did run some Demon Allies, given no one else in our team was using them. I ran the Changeling. Uh, I ran three Nurglings, and I also ran uh, Sloppity Bile Piper. I had uh, Will Milton in my ear. Uh, <laughs> I had Will Milton in my ear about the Changeling, and I had Alex Terrison in my ear about... Uh, uh, Sloppity Bile Piper, so I ended up going with both. Sloppity Bile Piper is actually what Nathan just calls me on the weekend. <laughs> Only after enough of uh, Nurgle's brew, mate. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but, but yeah, no, that, that was kind of there just to have a few like little lone characters that could go and do uh, tactical. I did uh, tactical five times and uh, just some lone characters to go and get objectives and also to force some battle shocks and some interesting interactions when you have the changeling there. So yeah, um, ended up just having a nice little, uh, what was it? Um, 16 model, 17 model list just to, to run around, uh, which was a nice little time relief compared to running our orcs and necrons. Nice man. And it's, um, it's a really big asset in teams as well. Just having so much mech with so much speed. And I think in a team's environment, you know, Denith and I were talking about how much this sort of list really shines and your results speak for themselves. It's a very good list piloted with, with, you know, a very good player. And I'm glad you enjoyed it, man. Yeah, I, I think also it helped that our team kind of had an overwhelming amount of mech as well. Like obviously with the uh, the triple monobrow under your piloting, Liam, but also the uh, the triple Valpred and the, the Land Raider Redeemer under you, Denith. Like we, we did end up, I think, giving some opponents like, a little bit too much to do with their their anti mech lists, and it let a few of us uh, run a bit free, which I think was a big asset when we got to pairings. Yeah, yeah. Like one of the things, um, Nathy, I'd like you to talk about is how you found the tables for the CK, because I know a lot of the terrain rules sometimes don't go in the favor of you know vehicles at the moment. But CK have some interesting tools, and and can you talk about the way you kind of table picked for that? So one of the best things about um, terrain in CK is uh, CK actually doesn't care. Um, with uh, the beautiful strategy of Knights of Strayed that allows me to either in the movement or, or charge phase to, to effectively ignore terrain and models uh, with up to two models. And I will say that um, any sort of chance of using drugs in my life has now been overtaken by using uh, Wardog Carnivores uh, in both the movement and charge phase uh, using that stratagem because they just absolutely zoom across the table. Um, so in terms of the table picks at Gladiator, I think it kind of freed me up to kind of enable the table picks for the rest of the team. I think I had, um, I think I ended up playing on every type of table throughout the weekend. Um, and, and to be honest, did not really notice the difference. And that that is both due to that stratagems, but also the speed of the Knights. Um, I rarely had issues sort of drawing shooting angles with 
with brigands, whether that be like bringing them in from reserve or or setting them up throughout the turns to be able to act in a segment of the table, or certainly with carnivores being able to cover the distance over multiple turns to be able to respond to threats, and often like either using them in tandem or, for instance, in one of the games, like overloading one side with carnivores to just sort of present a little bit too much threat um, for a sort of balanced deployed army to be able to deal with. Yeah, did you get any, um, like, because within the, the mesh of all the moving knights, you've got the little moving parts of the Softly Valpiper and Changeling. Did you get any, like, hectic Changeling plays throughout the weekend? Um, I, I did get one where a, I think a Rhino battle-shocked itself and then ended up getting charged by a Carnivore, which wouldn't have died if the, the one hadn't been battle-shocked. And I think when I was playing uh, Jacob Warren, which was a, a really fun game where he was running the uh, the, the Unending Swarm, I think Swappity waded his way in and then ended up Battleshocking like four different things. And CK's interaction with Battleshock um, not only makes some of their stratagems better, but triggers uh, Patera Shades, which triggers effectively a grenade strat that also heals the Knights, um, which is very useful in a lot of scenarios just to be able to like hit the pressure on or or put damage on key characters and, and sort of give you ways to heal the Knights. So... Um, the little demon moving parts were definitely a big asset. I, I'd probably say that the changeling is the only one I'd keep around just because that loan op is really functional. But uh, Sloppity was a lot of fun as well. Just even if, because that's probably one of the, my favorite little models I've painted in a while, that's a really, really cool character full model. Yeah, that's that's sick. I know um, we had a bit of hobby to do before the tournament, and Sloppity was uh, one of the things you got sorted, mate, considering yeah, uh, the knights from Waz, but uh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Were there any? Um, I know you you had quite a quite a big weekend. You know, four wins and one draw, right? Uh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, Are there any like notable games you want to talk about? Any that were a bit challenging for the CK? Yeah, I'll I'll quickly maybe just t- touch briefly on a couple of them. Um, five really good opponents, and that uh, as usual, like the Brisbane community is just so great to be able to to play amongst, just because there are so many lovely guys um, that we get to play with. Um, Jack Ronfeld, who actually played at the previous event versus Orcs when I was running Orcs, got to play him again with the CK. And um, the CK certainly had their work cut out for them in terms of Orcs having the 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 gas to be able to pick them up with so much anti-vehicle and high-strength attacks. But I did just find that, like, there the shooting, um, once the war is gone, is just so valuable to be able to pick units up from across the table and similar carnivores just have the damage to get through certain things. Um, probably the most interesting game was uh, playing against Jacob Warren um, with his his Unending Swarm, which I touched on. Um, I actually got the chance to play against him a couple of times before the event and just the Blood Surge moves and the recursion that the, the Unending Swarm have just make it such a um, fine line that you have to run to, to try and not make too many mistakes against that army. Otherwise, it can just sort of ruin your plans. Um, I think I had played in practice a little bit too cagey against it. So I definitely like overloaded five carnivores and just ran them at him <laughs> on one side and then ran the um, brigands up the other. And uh, eventually the amount of damage with the sweep attacks and the chain cannons just has the gas to get through that army. And then uh, my final game, uh, Luke Ward with his death guard. I definitely uh, underestimated how good death guard were. He didn't have any plague burst scores. It was all just sort of gas with, Plague Marines, and I was definitely confident. I think he'd only killed one knight by top of three, and I was like, here we go. 
and then all the plague marines fell out of the rhinos and then six died in one turn. I, was, <laughs> I definitely shit. had to, I definitely had to scrap to just hold on to the draw there. Cause I definitely underestimated sort of with all the different layering things that now with the contagions affect the plague marines, like how much gas that army has when it hits combat, like really impressive. And, and does definitely remind me of like the, um, the plague marines of late eighth early ninth where they're just you know able to pick up anything in combat so uh overall re- really fun weekend five great opponents also nick standard and, and uh, mason on the dark angels and gray knights respectively were also great games so uh a lot of fun a lot of fun running the ck and i i definitely think i'll be running it pending the data slate uh into the uh the near future hell yeah awesome. dude yeah big big sword energy from nathy there that's sick <laughs> Well, let's go from sword to uh to flamethrower, Denise. How was uh how was oh, your weekend? Mate, I can confirm this list is so fucking fun to play. <laughs> this is <laughs> so yeah, c- compared to everything else I've played in 10th, this is this is an absolute fucking blast. So there were definitely some things I learned from the weekend and going into the the games. I felt pretty good on the list like it it can go pretty aggro, and I was talking to a few people about it that I normally don't like playing stuff that runs at people really fast. I like to play a bit more passive and, and chill out and then try and score towards the end of the game, but this was kind of a... I saw it as a bit more of a training opportunity for me to, to learn a different style of play. So, like, GW, please don't listen to our podcast. We're not big enough to be heard by you, but Balpreds need, like, a 15-point increase. Um, they're, like, really ruthlessly effective, like, MVPs, they're amazing. <laughs> um, but the Firestorm Detachment was super fun. So had three Balpreds running around, kind of just playing the early game for me and, and scoring and, and moving around. Um, we talked about playing a bit of Fixed, but I've played Tactical, I think, almost every single game except for against Dave Kerr's Tau. I think I played Fixed on that one. Um, but other than that, you know, it was just a fun marine army. So I had the Land Raider with uh, Flame Aggressors, which came out, did their little mortal wound thing, then died. Um, but had put a cheeky little enhancement on them to make, a bit more, make them a bit more durable. They can flick a save to a six every battle round, which is exciting. So like I'd Armor of Contempt them and stuff, and they'd be just annoying to dig out. Um, added the Eversaw like in the 11th hour, which was such a cool little bit of tech combined with like the Lone Op, Space Marine Lieutenant, the Eversaw and the Sanguidor. So I was running around with three Lone Ops as well. Um, and I had this fun little Death Company brick with minus one damage with Lamartis, um to kind of just tarp it and the Sanguinor. So, um, Sanguinor's uh, moment of the weekend? Like bro, what was his absolute best moment? There was some cooked... So like people listening, the Sanguinor is like incredibly fun to play because he heroics from Deep Strike and he fights first and he has dev wounds. So there were oh, two, yeah. two pretty fun moments. Um, one was when I got charged by... In my final game against Doug, when I got charged by two eight bound and one was wounded and the two eight bound were trying to clear um, some infiltrators. So I dropped the Sanguinor in, he fought first, and this is after the 8-bound based my unit, so they can't like move any further, right? The Sanguinor comes into engage range of the wounded one, kills the wounded one, they can't fight the Sanguinor, and then the next turn the Sanguinor can run off and do what he wants. So it's like a, a fight phase, um, it's like a, f- a fight phase uh, rapid ingress. 
That's it's actually pretty intense. Yeah, like so, so that was cool. Um, the other thing I did with the Sanguinor against Callum, my first opponent, who played an amazing game, by the way. Like, he played Eldar super well. Um, he lined up all his firing lanes, and then I turned to Rapid Ingress to Sanguinor onto an objective that was more than 12 inches away from anything. So I got a 15 off a of Rapid Ingress. Jesus. That, that was fun. That was really fun. Oh, that's disgusting. Yes, dude. Oh. So, like... The, the lone op fights first deep stroke. Like, he's so fun. Like, he's pretty expensive. 140 points. I would probably pay 200 for him just because he's fun. <laughs> but Well, he's yeah. basically he, your, like, Yin Khan, you know? Like, yeah. he's he's the Blood Angel Yin Khan. And, dude, he's on a 25 mil base. The dumb stuff you can do with a 25 mil base level. <laughs> it's inc- Especially when people, like, finish the charge, they have to base because they've rolled a big charge and you just, like, poke a hole in the side of the line through a wounded thing and then they can't fight back into you and then you run off and do what you want. So, like, the Sanguinor was, like like I said, so much fun. Um, do you reckon um, the Firestorm rules and the BA rules were just, like, you know, like two little things left alone, like an Easter egg in a video game and, like, you know, if someone found them both together, it just seems like it's a match made in heaven. It was just incredible, man. Like, I'm, I'm sure there are other Marine lists that are stronger. Like, I know the Vanguard list is doing really well, you know, everywhere around the world. Um, but this is just, like... It's so fast. Like everything has assault. Like you're advancing stuff and just shooting and like, yeah, it's it's sick. Um, there were two points in the weekend though that were big learning points for me. Um, the first one was they both actually involved my, the death company unit that I have. Uh, the first was against Callum. Um, he had an avatar of Kane that he just pushed onto one side, and I was like, okay, this death company is fun. It can tap it, and I decided to go after the avatar with death company. Um, horrible idea when it's got fortune and, you know, fate dice and things. So one thing I learned after that game, which was my first game, was to use the death company to just tackle stuff that it can every turn just reliably fuck and just like fight in a corner and fight in a new corner and fight in a new corner. And then you just eventually end up rolling into a backfield with it. And it doesn't kill like, it's like a 300 point unit with Lamartis and it doesn't kill that every turn, but it kills like a 50 point unit, then a hundred point unit, then another hundred point unit. And it just doesn't get answered. So yeah. using it more like that than like a big hammer, just like a little annoying thing was something I started doing. And um, then round four against the, the awesome Dave Kerr, um, who's a big Sigma dog and he was playing some 40k this weekend with his Tau. Um... I learned there were some games I need to be a bit more aggressive and kind of hit hit a bit earlier with that unit. So, um, yeah, it's definitely been a cool, fun new playstyle for me. I'm really enjoying it, and I'm probably going to keep playing it. I think the sick oh, thing yeah. about your list, Denise, and we were talking about it before, is that because everything has assault, you're so, like, involved in the game. Like, whenever you move a unit, roll a dice. Whenever your opponent does a charge, you consider deep strike in the sanguine. Like, you're, you're in every phase of the game you're always thinking about doing something like overwatching or rolling a dice. It keeps you engaged in the game. You're very active, not passive. It's yes. a lot of fun. Yeah. Look, that hits the nail on the head, man. Yeah. But um, um, yeah, like that's, that's really it. I, I, that's really it for me. Um, I'm probably going to push on with BA. It's, it's super fun. Be it in the firestorm. I've been talking to Nathy about some other stuff, but BA is uh, blood angels are giving me a lot of entertainment on the tabletop at the moment. That's good, dude. Uh, but yeah, Liam, ready for some monobrow oh, chat? Yeah, all right. Tell Look, me a tale, um, mate. Tell me about this list and how it performed, bro. Yeah, to, to those who are tuning in after last week, um, I want to know a little bit more about the list and stuff. Um, 
go check out uh, the last episode that uh, Denise and I recorded uh, together. I was playing, spoiler alert, three monoliths and then a bunch of other stuff like The King. Um, and it kind of just uh, turns out um, it it shoots a lot. Uh, so, sorry. No, it, um, <laughs> it puts out an absolutely ridiculous amount of damage. It goes wherever it wants to go. Um, and then it weirdly kills things in combat as well. So... I had a lot of fun playing this list because um, obviously it, it is very, very powerful, but also I also felt very active in the game in the sense that um, even though they're big clunky models, I actually rarely play with a lot of shooting. Like for those who've listened to me before or um, seen me at tournaments, I, I most often play like melee or horde style armies. I very rarely play overwhelming shooting. So this was a bit, bit different for me, but also just being able to teleport and like go wherever you want made me feel like I could always do whatever tactical cards I drew. And a lot like Nathan, I went um, tactical in all um, all five of my games. Um, and I found that just the mobility and the flexibility of this army meant that I never got, like, annoyed. Like, you know, you draw a card, like, behind enemy lines in the first turn. You're like, oh, no, I can't do that. This army absolutely can do it first turn. <laughs> it's not even going to struggle to do it first turn. That's the funny thing about it. Um, so I really enjoyed playing it, and I did have four very, very good games. This is not saying that my fifth game was bad. It's because um, uh, Lachlan Carter filled in for me on the uh, Saturday night because I had to go to a lovely engagement party somewhere else. And so Lockie Carter, who's been taking a bit of a break from 40K, came and played my third round against Sam Lemon for me. So um, I guess it's a bit of an overview. Yeah, the list, the list kicked ass, to be perfectly honest. Um, ended with the highest bp at this event and didn't even play a game so that, that's pretty that's pretty <laughs> awesome overall um and i play i played a really really good variety and smattering of different armies um i played uh, a guard like artillery army with some like rough riders i played a tyranid monster mash list um i got paired into vanguard space marines uh another uh, Necron army, and so like overall, did actually have a and and Votan as well. Votan sort of mech and um, heavy infantry spam too. So I had a really really big variety of opponents. I think um, the standout, I guess, moments for me from the event was um, some of them that I was there for, and some of them that I wasn't <laughs> there for. Like um, going into the event. Uh, first round, we played from the low rollers. I played our uh, Sam, and Sam was playing his, his Imperial Guard, which is a really, really cool list. Um, it's got some Rough Riders and stuff, which all have the, the Melter Lancers and stuff, which I was all very afraid of. And one thing that was really cool about this game was that what I liked about it was Sam actually had a quite unique approach. He thought, what I'm going to do is I'm going to accept that like I'm, I'm probably going to um, not be able to kill the moliths. So I'm going to take fixed secondaries and try and kill the other parts of the army. And that actually mainly included the Silent King because the King's actually worth lots of assassinate and lots of bring it down points because his <laughs> men here have to come back to life. <laughs> and this was actually by complete accident mid-game. I was like, hang on. If I actually choose to teleport the King at the end of his turn, his reanimation protocols don't activate. So then his men here don't come back to life. That's the best, man. <laughs> and so your plan falls apart by accident. 
And so I'm, I'm like explaining this to him, and he's like, "Oh, that sucks." And I'm, I'm just like, "I'm really sorry, dude. I'm just gonna keep teleporting the king so that you don't have free men here to farm." And he's just like, "Well, that's a little bit of a hole in my plan." And <laughs> that was, that was pretty grim. But I, it was, it was very. We were both laughing actually, and we had a really, really, um, fun game. Like, uh, a single rough rider in a unit survived and just charged into a monolith. Um, and then got eaten by the portal, but just the the the, the narrative of this little guy on a horse running towards a freaking building with a like you know World War Two bomb on a stick was pretty funny. <laughs> um, well, it's absolutely it, metal if you think about it. Yeah, uh, it's it's a little bit like the the Jamie Lannister charging down the, the yeah. dragon in season seven of Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, the, we, we were laughing though because I'm not sure if it was that guy or like a guardsman or something, but. How do you miss a monolith? Like narrative-wise, you know, like if you're in melee with a monolith, how does your attack miss? The thing is literally a building, and you know, like this guy on a horse charging at it misses with the little melter lance. You're like, what? What even? What even happened there? I don't know, man. Straight it's got a bit of yeah. It's got a bit of you know, like you said in the shooting phase, the eternity gates on blow, and then the fight phase, it's on suck. You know? Are you telling me it jinx? <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> Two up, jink. Yeah. Back to seven. <laughs> So that 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 game um that game went very very um uh, very very well and I think it really goes to show just how crazy a toughness thirteen model can be when you know like three manticores and three um of those artillery batteries shoot one and you know do like six damage to it or something like that it's it's pretty egregious um I had a couple of really interesting games where I think. I do feel like this is one of those lists that people will adapt and like learn how to play against. But of course, in this event, it's the first time I've ever run something like this. First time a lot of people had kind of seen something like it. And so I think um, people haven't really worked out how to approach it yet. And, you know, like, for example, um, in round four um, from uh, the Horseman team, um, which Eric was captaining, uh, I played uh, Steve Wade, who I've not played in a, in a very long time. And he's an absolutely lovely dude. And he was playing a Votan list with five Sagittors and like 18 bikes. And it's like a lot of, a lot of guns. And, um, but it takes a little bit of time to bring it to bear. And the monoliths are super vulnerable. So what he went first, I obviously then went second. And that's my preference. He knew that I could teleport in the first turn. So he said, I'm going to commit all of the resources. Like I'm going to go with all of the Sagittors. And I'm just going to try and blow up one of the monoliths. Um, because I've got plus one to hit, plus one to wound. This is my best chance. I've got to do it. Uh, spoiler alert, five Sagittors do not kill a monolith. Um, five Sagittors do not even come close. In his defense, um, even with four up to wound, I think he only got like two wounds through. Um, and overall, all the Sagittors didn't even half kill one monolith, um, which was very, very, very grim. And then um, three monoliths decided that um, the Votan army was taking up too much space uh, and they wanted more room to move. Um, and three monoliths proceeded to kill um, five Sagittors, 20 infantry, a unit of bikes, um, and all of Steve's dreams um, in one shooting phase. Um, deboating five dedicated transports in a single shooting phase is pretty outrageous, to be honest. And really, sort of made me kind of respect what the list could do a little bit more, to be honest. Yeah, um, that's that's like that's nuts in the sense that you just have so much versatility to split and kill it all. Was well, I there... think the, 
sorry, Nath. Was there any like specific ways, I guess, the monoliths interact on the table? Because I guess Titanic-based armies have been uncommon intent so far. Was there any sort of interactions you found on the table, like even in the Votan game, where like that make the monoliths work on the table, like even uh, away from the teleporting? Yeah, so I think um, because they are so big and they take up so much room, um, they're clunky, but also on the flip side, it's really easy to get them cover. And because they're so tall, it's also in a lot of these L-shaped ruins, it's really easy to like slide. I'm not talking about the big L's, like the little L's. It's actually really easy to put them fully lodged into the ruin. And on a lot of these tables they're actually tall enough that they can see other units that are hiding in other ruins. And what I mean by that is is actually really, um, the explanation makes more sense if I talk about my fifth round. I played James Hurran, who was actually playing Canaptech Court Necrons. This is a game I really wanted to test. And he infiltrated a unit of raids. Um, and, you know, that's an enhancement for that attachment. And I knew it was coming. And infiltrated them in one of the ruins that was favorable for him, as in like the, the L was facing the way that he wanted it. But when you put a monolith in a ruin next to it, about like, you know, uh, probably about 12 inches away, those raids, the, the monolith in my ruin is actually tall enough that it can look up and over a ruin 12 inches away, even though those guys are behind the wall, because the raids, the raids aren't, tiny models but the monolith is so tall that it can literally just peek over and shoot them anyway so even an infiltrated hidden unit behind a wall is just so easy to see and the towering rule just being able to tag ruins in my game against steve the votan game i actually managed to get a monolith to tag three separate ruins because of the deployment <laughs> type and when it tags three separate ruins and it just counts as basically being able to see all three and the thing is like eight and a half inches tall or something, mm. what can't it shoot? Like, I just, <laughs> you, you, you can't hide from them. And people are just not prepared for that to just be in existence, right? Yeah. And, you know, when I, um, when I was playing um, against Steve, we had quite a we had a bit a bit of give and take, and I think that was this was a really really good game in terms of like transparency and communication because he did a couple of things like you know positioning models behind ruins and being like oh okay um, you can't come and see me and I was like well no the monolith can just you know its left big toe can touch the corner of this ruin and so now it can see all of you and he's like oh okay and then you know we sort of worked out that in some of these situations, there actually was no, nothing he could do to be fully hidden because on WTC, on Gladiator Gaming, on Games Workshop tables, um, on pretty much every format in 10th edition, ruins are on bigger bases than the ruin, for, the ruin template itself. And if you're on a bigger base than the ruin, it means a monolith can tag any side of the base and see literally everything. Um, which is just really strong. <laughs> you can run, but you can't hide, bitch. Pretty, pretty much. <laughs> and um, so I had a the the game that I think was the most interesting for me was that round five, uh, playing against Canaptech Court Necrons, and we were playing on the lighter table. And 
this was cool because obviously Necrons be Necrons, um, tell me Codex Creep isn't real, but um, playing against the supposed boogeyman, um, you know, the 18 raids, double Catans, things like that, this was really cool just to sort of prove that it can be cracked and, and cracked resoundingly. Mm. Um, he also had... This was even though the FAQ was out, just people listening, the FAQ regarding immortals being able to do devastating wounds wasn't actually in play for this event. So a lot of the Necron lists had 20 immortals. Um, James had those immortals, but of course, um, with mo my monoliths being able to just poop troops, <clears throat> I, I never put a monolith on an objective. And so he never got rerolled to wounds. And so those immortals just weren't really that effective. I was also able to just scoop a unit of raids easily every turn. Death rays, wounding raids on twos, and basically killing one on like a four up every time you roll damage is just so powerful at killing those raids. Um, yeah, it, it was a really, really brutal game. And hats off to the Nightbringer for single-handedly flipping two monoliths on his own. What an absolute <laughs> chad. This, this dude, honestly, we get to turn four. I've killed, like, everything but the the Nightbringer and the Void Dragon. And I'm like, that's okay. Probably not going to lose any monoliths. Rapid Ingress. Sorry, not Rapid Ingress. He Rapid Ingressed in the previous turn. He, he comes around a little wall because this, this bastard is hiding behind a, a, a Munitorum crate. Because he's tiny, <laughs> like 40 mil. Dude, dude comes out and goes, oh, yeah, I'll just I'll just make an 11-inch charge. That seems completely reasonable. Gets in combat with the monolith. Oh, oh, oh 30 damage. Oh, that seems reasonable. Yep, no worries. That's fair. Monolith explodes, all right? Monolith kills two whole squads of my immortals. Kills the spider. So you need to oh, roll a six on the damage, and I need to fail six out of six of those feel no pain. So the maths on that is very low. Kills one of the king's men here and damages another monolith. And I'm like, oh, this, this is overall grim. This, the worst part about that was the Nightbringer didn't even take any damage. Pretty sure he passed all his feel no pains. I then shoot an entire Necron army at this tiny, you know, Grim Reaper dude in a robe and do like two wounds to him. Do literally nothing. And he just walks into the other monolith. And yeah, the settings, the settings were on full suck that day. <laughs> and nothing happened at all. Uh, yeah, he killed him. Frog in the vacuum. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, and then the, the game ended. The Nightbringer <laughs> didn't even die. The game just ended. Like, I was put out of my misery. I couldn't kill him. <laughs> just... Who would win? Two buildings or one bathrobe? <laughs> yeah, lit, like, turns out the bathrobe and the gardening tool. But, like, yeah, honestly, um, it was it was really cool uh, because against Canamtech Court, they've got some, like, cool tricks, like making stuff lone operative and reactive move and, and stuff like that. But, um... One thing we found that was really interesting was even with ruins being in the right spot, because of towering being able to tag a ruin and shoot through, I was able to get a bead with multiple monoliths on multiple different wraith units. And so that meant the value of that lone operative strat was way worse. Like mm. it was much less valuable than it's been yeah. when like I've played it myself, because you obviously can put one unit out at a time and then lone operative them. Um, so that was that was really interesting. I think it's I have really really loved playing this monolith army. It's super intimidating and funny, um, and I think people have to skew really drastically to fight something that has like a hundred wounds of two up armor vehicles, with most of them being toughness thirteen. So um yeah, I'm I'm gonna keep rolling with this for probably for a while. I like it, dude. Three buildings and a staircase. Fuck yeah. Three buildings and a staircase and. Um, I said it before, but 
absolute hats off to Lachlan Carter coming in with his second game of 10th edition ever to come play a tournament round. Round three against Sam Lemon, who's an experienced 40K player now here in Queensland, coming in with his little A4 printout sheet of like, cheat sheet rules written by me while I'm at work, um, who knows literally no army rules for any other faction, coming in and doing really well in that round, getting us a 13-7. Absolute props to Lucky Carter. What a legend. Huge send, mate. Absolutely huge send. <laughs> I'm so impressed yeah. with that guy. But um not only uh best best win rate in tenth of anyone we know, and also the best win rate in tenth versus you, I think, yeah. as well, Liam. <laughs> he has a he has a one hundred percent win Did uh did did we just all three of us actually go undefeated this weekend? Fuck. We did. Yeah. Nathan won his five. I, I, Liam won his four. I won my fourth. Oh, three wins and a draw. Let's let's call that undefeated, boys. That 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 counts. And, undefeated. And three armies that we all want to keep playing with after the event. Hell yeah, that's actually pretty rare, mate. <laughs> we are. We all we all just time. like our mech. We all we all just want to play the the big models. That's it, bro. So uh, I was going to say, boys. Um, I know Nathan, you touched on a few things, but Liam, no changes to the list. You're going to just uh, play as is. Yes, but for the wrong reason. I just don't want to paint any more models, Denise. <laughs> Come on, ben bro. It's not like you painted models. any of these. Yeah, it's Ben painted this whole lot before you right. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to have. I don't want to have to have any more models painted. Yeah, very true. I'm gonna add a bit more mech. I'm gonna. Uh, I had a lot of fun watching um, Nathan play Nick Standing over the weekend with his uh, Anvil Siege triple monolith list. So I'm gonna yes. try. I'm gonna try a whirlwind. That's a triple monolith, sorry, triple whirlwind. You said, yeah, the monolith's on sorry, mind. Man, it's just on my mind, man. I can't stop thinking about monolith. Triple whirlwind me. list. Um, so I'm going to try a whirlwind. I'm going to take out the Eversaw, and that's going to make me sad. But, uh, mate, keen for more 40k. Let's go. Nathan and I are playing an RTT this Sunday. Oh, in legends. legends. I am actually. I actually did not think five carnivores is, was enough, and I've gone the six. And I've also dropped the other demons uh, to be able to run Celesque. So... I'm effectively running eight combat knights when we consider that Celeste gets back oh, up. Oh, you're putting so Celeste I think in. That's... What a legend. Yeah, so I, I think that's a much better ratio in terms of combat knights for my liking. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. Um, but yeah, I guess, guys, that's that's a recap of our event. Once again, big thank you to Josh at Gladiator Gaming for hosting a, another Wicked Teams event. I believe the next one's in April. So, um, yeah, we'll be scrapping together a team for that one. But... Um, Thanks for listening, everyone. Liam, Nathan, any closing remarks? Thanks for listening to my architecture-related comp content to do with monoliths. Uh, I, I intend to continue bringing back architecture to 40 <laughs> Liam's playing fortifications. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, oh, carnivores. That's all I have. Yeah. I don't roll to hit. I just overwatch with fire. So that's me. But... Um, Sick guys. Well, everyone listening, thank you for thank you for uh, your, your following and your attention. Um, if you like what you heard, give us a like on Facebook and subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, leaving reviews does help new listeners find us. And if you want to support us, we do have a Patreon page to help cover our cost on www.patreon.com slash the normal blokes. But uh, yeah, we're keen to see the, uh, the upcoming Codex releases and uh, we'll talk a bit more about our local events, but take it easy. See you all next time. See you later, guys. There you go.